first of all, I want to thank the elders for giving me the opportunity to preach this. You know, man, I respect, I trust. Let's praise God for you. We love you. And I have never thought so much about women until this week. <laughs> you know, in fact, I have four women living in my house. <laughs> You know, studying this text really has helped me to come to a deeper conviction, you know, a stronger conviction about the deadliness of feminism in our society. Feminism is deadly. Feminism in the name of freedom and liberation from oppression deceives women into thinking that pursuing a life outside of home will give greater satisfaction, greater fulfillment. And that's a lie. That is exactly a lie. You know, in 1990, there was a special issue by magazine. You know, you can go online, you can look at this issue. It's a special issue dedicated to just women. And this issue has one section featured profiles of 10 tough-minded women, ten, top ten tough-minded women who have combined talents and drive to become successful in their careers. Some of them, Elizabeth Watson, she became a police chief. Ling Hill became a great rock climber. Then you have a woman who became a successful baseball owner. And on and on you go. Top ten, top-minded women. But something missing. Now I'll read this comment by Nancy DeMoss. A strong believers of biblical womanhood. This is what she said. Conspicuous by sin throughout the issue was any recognition given to women who have succeeded in ways not tied to careers. Women who have successfully stayed married to the same man or who have succeeded in bringing up godly children who are making a positive contribution to society. Not surprisingly, no banquets were handed out to women for being reverent and temperate or modest and chaste or gender inquired for loving their husbands and children, for keeping a clean, well-ordered home, for caring for elderly parents, for providing hospitality, for acts of kindness, service, mercy, and for demonstrating compassion for the poor and needy. This kind of success is not appreciated in this world of feminism. It is direct contrary contrary to us truth this morning too further she said I was struck by the fact that though times coverage featured women in many different roles and settings there were precious few references to home you know about some 86 pages of this magazine dedicated to women few special references to women about their homemaking. Actually, you have one. And the title is 
Wives Caution Hazardous Work Subtitle Looking for a lifelong economic security Don't bang on homemaking This is what's going on out there No wonder you know, If you go to your college reunion dinner And if you tell your classmates I'm a full time mother now and they give you a look as if you were an alien good for you good for you but inside they're saying what a waste that is what out there but we praise God praise God for Titus 2 God is going to bring back what His design for women and it is your hope that you can find in the word of God not out there not some feministic models that you observe at your workplace that you admire that you wish you would be like them not those this is the one that you should admire this is the model that God has for you turn to Titus 2 if you can Titus 2 great passage and now it's not just for women you know, we praise God for you, women. God stand with you and we stand with you in this battle. We stand with you in the Word of God and you know this is the best place to stand on. And married man and single man, it is for you too. It is for you too, this passage. If you are ignorant, how can you shepherd your wives? How can you shepherd your sisters in Christ? I want to encourage you apply this truth in your life too Titus 2 3, 5 Titus 2 as we know after so many weeks of exiting this text by different pastors this is a text with a purpose to stop false teachers and you see Titus 1 verse 9 elders qualified elders they must be able to refute false doctrines 113 Titus himself must strong language here severely reprove the false teachers so that they may bound in faith so that you may turn them away from the false teachings in chapter 2 and 3 Paul turns to the church church Godly lies is one strong cure to the spread of heresy around you. Godly lives. And we have studied lives of a godly older man. Older man, your godly lives, not just a blessing to your family, but also a strong cure to the heretical teaching surrounding us. And ultimately, godly lives glorify God, glorify the doctrines of God. And we have learned about older women last Sunday. And then in the context, you have younger women and younger men and bond slaves or employees today. And all this make up the whole church how to live a holy life. Because there's one way we can counter attack 
the heretical teachings out there and one of the strong ones today attacking women is this heresy of feminism and your godly lives and the godly lives of the church will protect you will help you to defend yourself for the glory of God for the glory of God as we have mentioned last Sunday we have talked about three characters of older women and there's one last one and we thank you Pastor Marcus did a great job but now the last one let's look at the text Titus 2 verse 3 older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior not malicious gossips nor slave to much wine teaching good so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands to live their children to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. We have learned about how older women to be reverent in their behavior, how not to be malicious, malicious gossips, and how not to enslave themselves to much wine. And this morning we look at teaching what is good. What does this mean? Teaching what is good. You know, Paul put this conduct at the last of his list for the older women by no way being the least. It is in fact one of the most important ministry that the older women have. Younger women. It is important character of older women the ability to teach what is good to the younger women and in this word teaching what is good in the Greek is one word it further describes the character of an older godly woman it is only used once here in the whole Bible and in the context you know this is in reference to teaching in an informal setting it's not a formal setting like the man God has called to do in the church. This is in an informal, one-on-one, encouraging teaching to the younger women. And we know Titus, Paul wrote to Titus, is not tell them to teach in a formal setting because in 1 Timothy 2, 11-12, Paul explicitly forbids women from formal teaching from excess authority over men from this kind of setting and we know it is in reference to informal teaching one on one transmitting their lives to another life it is an encouraging teaching how do we know that because verse 4 gives us that word the verb there is encouraging teaching that they may encourage young women to love their husbands, children, and so on. It's not a dogmatic, legalistic, but a personal caring, encouraging impartation of life onto another life. What do these older women look like? Like we learn, they are like priestesses. They understand the holiness of God. 
and they know the sinfulness of their heart. They are sympathetic priestesses who will not look down on these young wives, but compassionately encourage them to fulfill their God-ordained roles. How do they teach? They teach by being relational. Relational is the key here. Relational one-on-one. They know how to establish relationship with younger women. It's implied here. They earn their respect. They have to be relational. If not, every young woman will shun. Will shun. No one will want to associate with someone who is proud, arrogant, looking down on you. But they are relational. They come down to their level. They teach by humility. With humility, they share not just their success, but also their failures. Their failures. This make them real. This make them real. This attract young women to them. They're just like us. I thought we are the only ones struggling here. They're just like us. They've been through the same thing. They know how hard it is to raise children. They know how hard it is to submit to their husbands. And these older women have the ability to impart to them this godliness by the grace of God. By the grace of God. They teach by wisdom through their many years of sanctification. They know they have the ability to engage these young wives, these young women to pursue their godly calling. They overcome all cultural, all generational gaps by God's grace. It is definitely not one like Mrs. Bennett in Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> definitely not like some someone that is mean, loud and busybody and going around doing things that are not supposed to do. I think that is a good picture for you. Mrs. Bennett. There is one person that I don't want to become when I grow old. That is that person. That's the person. And our sisters, just want to let you know, in Titus 2, the biggest picture here is the heresy, the false teachers. How are you going to battle against the feministic heresy going around you in your workplace, in the medias, in the television, in colleges, in classroom, for some, sadly, in families? How are you going to battle against this wicked poison which is thing new? It's as old as Genesis 3 in the Garden of Eden. It's the same technique, same method that Satan used to deceive women into sinning against God. Your godly lives will help. Your godly lives. And it starts with older women. Older women, you have an important ministry in the body of Christ. You have. And what are they to teach? Verse 4 to 5, 
basically give us the outline of their teaching. What are they to teach? Seven areas listed here that God has graced them to teach. Seven areas. Teach younger women to love their husbands, love their children. What else? To be sensible, pure. Workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands. Seven areas. And the older women are called to do. Time will not permit. Now, we can't go through the seven of them this morning, but two of them, the, the first two, we're going to look at this morning. The first two. First one, younger women, is to love their husband. You know, this responsibility is given to, to older women by no means. The pastors or the elders have no say in these areas. Of course, the pastors and elders will also deal with these matters, but propriety will keep them from being too specific or personal in their dealing with young women. But older women fit in very well in this context in this context and who are these young women we have and now we have uh, study and an older man is anywhere from 29 and above same here older women is anywhere from 29 and above except you know it seems that these older women are married they are mothers and they are homemakers. But who are these younger women? You know, it's anyway from 28 all the way down to 13. 13. You know, those days, women got married as young as 13. In the case of uh, Mary, Mary and Joseph. Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Some say she's as young as 12 or 13. Because back in those days, they married young. Imagine like Carol, <laughs> 13 years old, got married. She's as young as 13. But if not, the heresy will get to them because they are mature enough to be influenced by this heresy. They are mature enough to be deceived. So, lover of husband. Let's look at this word again. Lover of husband is one word in the Greek. Paul plays this first. has a strong emphasis here in the list of seven. Lover of husband being first. is the first of importance here. The first primary ministry is the husband. Is your husband lover of husband of course Paul is not speaking about just the romantic sexual love which certainly have a proper place in marriage but here it has the idea of being committed to this love it's a committed love determined to love their husbands regardless of who they are what kind of weird behaviors they have they love them 
because they are called to love them. It is a genuine love that, that is not based on the husband's worthiness, but on God's sound doctrine. On God's sound doctrine. They are commanded to love and therefore they obey to love. They obey to love. Many reasons, you know, in the background, there are many reasons why women, young wives, are tempted not to love their husbands. Is implied here. Many reasons. What are those reasons? Particularly in this background, some, probably most of them, didn't choose their own husbands. In a culture, is in a society, marriage was arranged. And it's hard to love someone that you, you don't choose to love in the first place. It's not your choice to live with this man. But Paul says, God will say, still you are called to love them. You are to love them because of God's design, because of God's calling. Second reason can be these husbands. They are not believers. They are not believers. Some of these wives have unbelieving husbands. Well, if your husband were an unbeliever, this is hard. You know, especially in the context here. Chapter 1 verse 13 talks about, you know, in creed, you have this reputation here. Verse 12, chapter 1 actually. The credence are old liars, evil beasts, uncontrollable animals, and lazy gluttons. All they do, whole day is eat and sleep. And some of these unbelieving husbands happen to be a glutton, lazy glutton, evil, wicked animal, uncontrollable, characterized by an animal, and a liar. What are you to do with this unbelieving husband? Now you have come to know Christ. Now you have come to know sound doctrines. Do you have excuse to say, I don't think I'm going to stay in this marriage. Do you have that? No. No. That is a great sin. God calling here. God's calling here to commit, to stand faithful in this marriage vow. You are to love. That's why First Peter 3 come in. By your conduct, behavior, not even a word spoken, by your godly conduct, and your way of life, how you treat Him, you're going to win Him over without a word. Without a word. Third reason, some of these husbands, some of us husbands, are full of weaknesses and weird things. You know, sin. (laughs) How do you know your love for Him is real? answer is time will tell time will tell after you discover all his sin all his sinful behaviors the way he sleeps the way he eats <laughs> after you discover all this what do you do you still love 
And that is real love. And that is genuine love. You know, someone said, you know, during dating, you probably discover only 20% of these men that you are dating. The other 80, the other 80% you will discover in the first probably three weeks of your marriage. <laughs> and then, what do you do with this 80%? <laughs> It really doesn't matter how much you discover. The commitment is here. You are to love because you have committed to this marriage. You have committed to this marriage. You are to love. What about his sin? He has sinned. You pray. You be the first Peter 3 women by your behavior. Win him over for the glory of God. For the glory of God. So whatever reason you might have, God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. His grace, His strength is made perfect in your weaknesses. And you are not to fight this battle by your own strength. Titus 2, 11 and 12, the grace of God instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. It is the grace of God you are called to trust, not your own strength. And God, for a greater, awesome purpose, calling you to do this, is revealed in verse 5, chapter 2, verse 5. You do this for what? You do this so that the Word of God will not be dishonored. The doctrines of God will not be overcome by heresy, by feminism. You do this, the word of God will not be dishonored. The same old method that the devil used to deceive women, to go out of their domain, to go out of their calling, to seek something that is fake. It is the same old lies of the devil to reel you out of your domain. But God's Word, God's Word, look at God's Word here this morning. He is calling you, be the one that He has called you to be, lover of husband. The same old lie of the devil in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say that? Did God really say that you should do this? Yes! God said it here! Titus 2, lover of husband. Don't you doubt His word. Obey Him. Let your conscience so bound by the scripture, so taken captive by His word, that you know and you know it is neither safe nor right to act against your conscience. And this is the word they will bind your conscience. Lovers of husband. Love your husband. And it goes on to say the second character that you need to have. Lover of children. Lover of children. Let's look at the text again. Lover of children. Is one word again in the Greek. One word. Whether children are born 
to the couple or are adopted, they are to be loved with a love that should be selfless and sacrificial. Dr. McCarter wrote, As we love for their husbands, love for their children is not an option. It is not based on the children's physical attractiveness or personalities or intelligence, but on their need. It's a love that is committed to their need. The most important need that your children have is the gospel. And you, by your love, you demonstrate to them this great truth of the gospel, this great truth of God's saving grace. Of course, just like husbands, children too, gives you many reasons that make you don't love them. I mean, Second Timothy chapter three. I just want to refer to Second Timothy chapter three, verse two to four. Timothy's here, being warned of the coming rise of all this evil inference, evil characters in the lives of people. And it says here, verse 2, 2 Timothy 3, For men will be lovers of self, lovers of boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God few highlights here. Lovers. Lovers of first one is lovers of self. Then lovers of money. Then lovers of pleasure. Anything but lovers of children. This is coming. I mean it's already come a long time ago. We will love all this but not children. Not husbands. You know, this will all characterize people today. It's more and more. But you don't see this character, lovers of children. In the Greek, it's the same word, the compound word, phileo. The same word, phileo, which Paul used to describe what characterizes these people. And these people are characterized by First one, lover of self. And the lover of self, the self-centered person, the self-centered young woman will say, children are a hindrance to their dreams. And therefore, they are not lovable. Children, they spoil my life. The lover of self will say this. And then the lover of money, they will say this. Children are heavy financial burden. They spoil their profitable careers. And the level of pleasure, they will say, children are nuisance. They spoil my fun. Probably, I prefer dog than children. One commentator say, 
A.T. Robertson says, some married women prefer poodle dogs to children. And it's true. My pets is better than children. It is so sad. God forbids any of us who fall into this lie, this sin. We are called to be lover of children. Lover of children is not an option. It's a calling here. God call young women. Love your children. And older women are to demonstrate this example. Love your children. And to impart to them this great character. Keep in mind here, this text doesn't teach us to be child-centered young women. Doesn't teach us. Like, doesn't teach us to be husbands, young women. No. Husband lover, husband, children lover are not husband-centered, are not child-centered women. Child-centered women commit the sin of idolatry. Likewise, husband-centered women commit the sin of idolatry. But here is following Christ's word to love your husband according to God's word. Honest Christ. Honest Christ. Why? Why are you to love your children and honor Christ? Why are you to love your husband? Why are you to do this? Verse 5 again. I just want to remind you, verse 5 again. The end of verse 5. So that, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. God is glorified when you obey. When your right life fits your right doctrines, they will glorify God. And this is what God desires. And when God is glorified, when the doctrines of God is exalted, heresy will be exposed. Feminism will be exposed. This poison will be exposed. And young women will be set free to pursue their high calling in Christ. This is two important characters some closing practical exhortations for wives we exhort you love your husband invest into your marriage how do you do it few ways please express your gratitude to your husband one simple way express that express your love your appreciation. Express your submissiveness. Drop notes, you know, like this kind, in his lunch bag. Drop notes there. And I have one example here. <laughs> you know, drop notes in their lunch bags. Sweetheart, here's your breakfast. There's also yogurt. <laughs> Take care of your weight, you know. And I love you. Have a wonderful timing. 
in class, in your workplace. Praise God for you and your effort in being a good husband. Be encouraged. You're doing very well. I love and respect you. Not just like that. Precious in the sight of God. Reserve the best of your physical and emotional energy for your husband. This is an investment here with an eternal significance. You invest that into your husband's life because you obey God's word. Invest physical and emotional energy. Reserve that for your husband. Don't waste it on shopping or playing with your dogs. or getting bitter about his weird habits. <laughs> Invest that into your marriage. And also, ask yourself, do you create, do you foster a in your home that will make them want to stay home? Do you create or foster a climate that your husband will love to be around you at home? This can be done through your words, through your actions and attitudes. You know, ask yourself, does my demeanor tend to be loud and defiant? Or do I communicate a meek, quiet and submissive spirit to my husband? And if you do that, Home is a sweet home for our husbands. They love to come home. They love to to come home, and the first thing they open the door is the wife running to hug him and bless him. Do you cultivate that climate in your home? Are you if another application? Are you creative at home? Be creative at home and find joy. Find joy in serving your husband and children. And if not, if you are not creative, home can be a very boring place for you. Very boring. And a whole day stay at home. Be creative. This will deliver you from depression. Seriously, be creative. Be creative. Be creative. You see, you need time to transition from a working woman influenced so much by feminism and now into a home, be a mother and wife. And you need time to transition that. And creativity will help. Creativity tell you, yeah, you can do it. It's fun. You know, it's so different from your workplace at home. You don't have anybody to praise you. You have good performance. You have any, nobody will write you a performance report telling you how good you are, how strong, how capable you are. Nobody. I mean, it's a home. And if you look for those praises, if you crave for that kind of attention, recognition at home, you will be discouraged. 
But be creative at home and understand you know, your husband is a busy man and he is doing what he can to, to, to encourage you, to pray for you, to love you. And husband, you try your best to understand your wife, to know what are their challenges at home and appreciate and encourage them that way. And be creative. Mom, mother at home, be creative. You know, creative help you to enjoy spending time with your children. You know, make, make them dresses. You know, tell them your stories. How God set you from sinful habits, from all kinds of sin. Enjoy them. Be creative in that way. Not getting tense all the time. You know, when you are in, with your children, just get tense. You know, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't run. You know, if you get tense all the time, your children. Yeah, the children will probably say, you know, better spend time with your dogs than with us. Creativity will help you to just have fun at home. Home is a fun place. Home is a fun place. Be creative even in your cooking. Husband, give them the permission to be creative in their cooking. (laughs) To be creative, you know. Yes, service. Taste is not the priority. <laughs> Taste is not the priority. Let your husband, you know, enjoy it. Communicate that to your husband. Seriously, taste is not the priority. Of course, if they're enough, they'll get better. You know? So, encourage them to just enjoy home. Enjoy cooking. Enjoy spending children, spending time together. Younger women, younger women who are single, feel exhortation for you. Aspire to be mother. Aspire to be a godly wife. That is your calling. That is what Titus 2 calling you to do. Don't buy in to the feminist model of women. That's not what God called you to be. That's a fake lie. Some of you I know, you are doing very well. Single young women, you are learning to excel in your cooking. You are learning to excel in caring for children. You, know, you, you serve those married men, you know, help to babysit their children. And in doing that, you are actually you know, learning to excel, how to, how to care for children. Praise God for you, young women. Seek Seek to have time. Godly wives and mother to understand their lives and their struggles. This will prepare you for marriage. Understand what is it like you know, to deal with all this sin as a mother, as a wife. Seek to understand. And this definitely a blessing to know. Blessing to know. Finally, if you are here tonight, if you are here this morning, and you are not a believer, I tell you, if you are not a believer, if you are not submitted to the Lordship of Christ in obedience to His Word to pursue His calling, you are not a believer. 
And there's no way, there's no way you can be set free from the heresies surrounding you. You need to be saved. Christ, as Christ revealed here, chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, for the grace of God appeared, bringing salvation to men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously and godly in the present age. Christ is your hope. If you are not a believer here this morning, whatever you try to do, you will not be the godly wife or the godly young woman that God wants you to be. What you need to do is to get saved. What you need to do is to surrender completely to Christ. Completely to the Lordship of Christ and repent from the bottom of your heart crying out to Christ, Forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Set me free from this bondage. Set me free from this pride. Set me free from my sinful heart, the desire to do something that is not called by you to do. Repent. If you are here this morning, God is calling repent. God is calling you be reconciled to Christ. That is where you find true joy. That is where you find a life that truly glorifies Christ. That is where you find Let's pray. <coughs> Father, we praise you for your word. Thank you for Titus 2 exhorting us to live godly lives. Truly, Lord, godly lives is one antidote, it's one cure to the spread of heresy around us. So, Lord, we pray that so many of us has been influenced by all kinds of heretical doctrines. Predominant in our culture is feminism. Father, I am of your Holy Son, Jesus Christ that you will apply this truth free, Father, from this lie. So that your church will be strengthened. So that your people will pursue the calling that you have called them to pursue. Father, we thank you. We praise you. That your word is the truth. And you will accomplish what you purpose to do through your word. Be exalted, Lord. Be glorified, Lord Jesus. For you are the Lord in this place. I pray for all the young women and the older women that you will encourage them, you will strengthen them in this battle, that they will not be discouraged. They will go to your word and find strength and find grace. I pray for all our young men, all our married men, that they too, Lord, will know the intense battle that is on. And they too, Lord, will be really seeking your face on their knees and to be the man that you have called them to be. Father, I pray, especially for those who are not saved, 
who are still so trapped by this heresy the heresy of feminism Father I pray this morning by your truth you will set them free by your truth you will deliver them from this deadly poison use your word Lord to renew their mind use your word Lord to re captivate their heart to the vision that you have given them in Titus 2 we praise you Lord for this morning thank you Lord for your church we praise you in your wonderful name we pray Amen